God's covenants. Throughout history, God has given to his people, he has proclaimed covenants with, with his people, with creation. And basically uh, what that means in a nutshell is God has laid out the conditions of how he will act towards us, how he's going to act towards recreation. He's basically saying, I'm going to draw you parameters of my character. And once I give you this covenant, I will always act according to this, right? And in a sense, it's almost like a contract. It is, but it isn't, right? And so there may be at times where God enters into a covenant with somebody, and he says, I am God, and I will do these things. But in response, here's what you're expected to do, okay? And so God lays out for us himself who he is and how he's going um, how he's going to relate to us, if you will, and how we can relate to him. So I want to show you, let's go back to Genesis 9, verses 9 through 17, okay? And as for me, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. Next verse. And with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you, of all that go out of the ark, every beast of the earth. Thus I establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant which I will make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I set my rainbow in the cloud and it shall be for the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. It shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. The rainbow shall be in the cloud and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. So we see God gave a covenant. He said, this is what I'll do, and this will be for you to know. I will hold myself according to this character forever. Forever. He says, this is who I am. I will never again flood the earth and kill Kill everybody, because he did, right? Everybody died. So, anybody seen a worldwide flood recently? Nobody's floated up past Mount Everest in the last, you know, couple years, anytime soon? So, so far, within about, what, four or 5,000 years, whatever it's been, pretty good on his word so far, right? Okay, so God gave a covenant. And you know what's very interesting about that covenant is he says, here is who I am and here is what I will do. And I'm making a promise to you, right? When God speaks, it's a promise. Now, what was our part of that covenant? He didn't give us one, right? So can we break that covenant? No, because it's dependent on who? God has nothing to do with us. Very interesting, right? Genesis 15, verse 1 through 21, 
Now, Abram, who later becomes Abraham, God gives him a covenant as well. Okay? And it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abraham's, or Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is uh, Eliezer, I can never say that, Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look now towards the heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall be or so shall your descendants be. And he believed in God and he, God, accounted it to him, Abram, for righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you up out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you the land, this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? So he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. <laughs> I don't know why. Okay, that's, well, that's God for you. All right. Then he brought all these to him and cut them in two, down the middle, and placed each piece opposite the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. And when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them, and they will afflict them four hundred years. And also the nation whom they serve I will judge. Afterward they shall come out with great possessions. Now as for you, you shall go into your father, uh, to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And it came to pass, when the sun went down and it was dark, that, behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between the pieces. On the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, to the river Euphrates. To Kenites, the Kenizzites, and the Catamanites. To the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim. The Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. And all the other Zites, right? All right. So, again, we see this covenant where God says, I will do these things. I will make you your descendants like all the stars in the skies. And I will give them this land where Israel is today. Or, where it's, you know, part of that, anyways, is part of that promised land. They've never fully inhabited it, but they will. They will. And God promised it to them. And in that covenant, he gave to Abram because of Abram's faith. Again, simple, simple promise. Right? So, let's get into to Galatians. Galatians chapter 3. Verses 15 through 20. He says, Brethren, I speak in the manner of men. 
Though it is only a man's covenant, yet if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. And this I say, that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. So what we've been talking about in Galatians is, is the gospel, right? The Holy Spirit, his work, and what that relates to God's law. Should we be following the law? Are we still bound to the law? And so we're not going to read through, it would be crazy, but Exodus 20 through 24 is where God gives he gives the, the Ten Commandments. He gives the law that, that he expects his people to live by. But with it came blessings for those who kept it and came curses for those who did not. And when he gave his law to Moses and had him present it for the people, you know what the people said? All the Lord has said we shall do. All the Lord has said we shall do. Right? And before homeboy could come back down the mountain, they were already worshiping false idols. But that's a different story. Okay? So they accepted it, and they entered into this covenant with God, and they killed an animal, and uh, they sealed this covenant based on their own performance in blood. They said, yes, Lord, we will enter into this agreement, and we will base our righteousness on our own ability instead of yours. And so that was the law. That is the old covenant, as we talk about. And that's what they were bound to. Okay? And that's why it said last week, for as many of those, and this is in verse 10, for as many as of are the works of the law are under a curse. Because as long as we remain under that old covenant, we break one law, you've broken them all. And no one can ever be made righteous by their works or by any good deeds. And as long as you try, you will fail. You will fail. Verses 21 through 25. Oh, I'm sorry. Verses 19. What purpose, then, does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions till the seed which is the Messiah, which is Jesus, should come to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now, a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given that could have given us life, truly righteousness could have been by the law or would have been by the law. But the scripture has confirmed all under sin. What does Romans 3.23 tell us? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for faith, which would afterwards be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor 
to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. So guys, what was the purpose of the law? (laughs) I like that. To show you, you are jacked up. To show you there is no way in your own self that you could ever, ever be righteous in God's sight. You know, Isaiah 64, 4, or 66.4, whatever. Anyways, it's in Isaiah somewhere. Y'all can look it up. Okay, you can test me. Look it up on Google. God says through Isaiah, even your most righteous deeds are like filthy rags. That was the point. It was to show us that we were so condemned. The only way we could ever stand a chance before God was to ask for his mercy. Was to ask for his mercy. Because everyone under the law was under a curse. But you know what? Abraham, he was counted as righteous before God. And you know what the scripture said? Because God gave him a promise. And Abraham believed and trusted that promise. The people in the wilderness entered into a covenant with God. And that was how they were going to relate to him. They had to to now fulfill all those things, but they could never accomplish it. It was always only to lead us back to that hope that Jesus or that God had given them, that a Messiah would come and that a Messiah would free them from their sins. That was their only hope, a Messiah who had power over sin and death by whom we believe just as Abraham did unto righteousness. And in that faith, God gave Abraham a promise, not based on Abraham's work, but simply on God's own word, right? So the scripture here tells us now, the law was what to us? It's a tutor. It teaches us, right? As my brother said, it teaches us how jacked up we are. It could never save us. So how is it that now the scripture is telling us that we're saved by faith in Christ? Just believing in him, we're, fa- we're, we're saved? Well, what happened to, whoa, 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 what happened to the law? What happened to no pork? I don't like pork anyways, except for bacon, right? What happened to all that? How is it that we're actually justified by, by faith? If we, if our relationship is based on God's covenant, where is that? The Last Supper, before Jesus goes to the cross, he has a Passover meal with his disciples. And he breaks the bread, and he tells his disciple, this is my body, broken for you. Because his body is literally about to be beaten, ripped from his own bones, and put naked on a cross to die. And after they eat, he lifts up the cup, and he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Very interesting thing. He never goes on to explain what covenant he's talking about. Everyone in that room knew what Jesus was talking about. Everyone in this room should have been taught, and we're not doing our job, right? We should, ha- we should know 
what Jesus was talking about because what Jesus was talking about is the basis of our entire relationship with God, and it is the foundation of the entire New Testament because New Testament is just another word for New Covenant. That's it. Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. How is it that we can have this relationship with God? Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day I took them out of the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. Notice this. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Now, you can look it up in your Bible. That is the beginning and the end of the covenant. There's no more. That's it. God says, I will put my law in their hearts. I will be their God. I will forgive their sins, and I will remember their sins no more. Now, I asked you a pretty simple question when we were talking about the Noahic covenant the rainbow, right? And I asked you on this, this covenant he gave about never flooding the earth again. What was our part? Nothing. What did God command for us? What is it that we have to do to get into this? What can we do to break it? Nothing. God knew the only way we could have a real relationship with him is if he did everything, if all the weight was on him. Because guess what, guys? If we could break this covenant, we would. We would have already done it. I would have already done it about 1,500 times. Vincent, probably 1,600, but, you know, he's got to one-up me. So, six, oh, 601. You are either in the covenant or you're not. But God is the one who does the work. God is the one who does the work. Jesus says, when he, before he went to the cross, he lifted up his cup that was resembling the blood he was about to spill. And he said, in this sacrifice is this new covenant. Well, I will make a new way for you to come to God, where God will put the law in your heart, where he will claim you, where he will forgive your sins, and he will remember them no more. To Telestai, it is finished. Final, ver final verses in Galatians 3, 24, um, I'm sorry, 26 through 29. For you, once you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, once you, you look upon his sacrifice on the cross, you, you consider that his body was broken because of your sinfulness and his blood was spilt for your payment, when you acknowledge that and you make that your offering before God, then 
you, in, you can enter in to this new covenant. And because of that, Paul writes to the church, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Wait. For as many as you, uh, of you as were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, that seed of promise. And heirs according to the promise. And that promise, by the way, that he's referring to. Genesis twenty-two eighteen. In your seed, he's talking to Abraham, in your seed, one, Jesus, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. And in Jesus Christ, all people, all nations, all nationalities, all gender are welcome into God's presence through his new covenant. And all we have to, be do, uh, to do is be willing to acknowledge Jesus and ask for that forgiveness and let the Lord God know that you want to surrender and have a relationship with him. And his promise is you can have it and you can have it today. And it will be forever and it will be according to God's work. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you that we can rest. Father God, you paid it all. You paid it all. Lord, if I could lose my salvation, I would. But Lord, you hold me in your hands. Your love is greater than my ability, Father God, to do anything, good or bad. Your love is greater. And so, Lord, if there's anybody here today who needs you, Lord, I ask that you would convict their heart, Lord, and cause them to cry out to you, Father God. Let your Holy Spirit fall upon them, Lord, and give them eyes to see, Lord, new life. That if they would just cry out, Lord, forgive me. I know I deserve judgment, but I believe in your sacrifice, and I want salvation. I want a relationship with you. That if they'd be willing to do that today, Lord, that you're, you will answer. And today they can know they have eternal life in Christ Jesus. And Father God, for all of us, Lord, I ask that you would embed the message of your New Testament into our hearts, Father God, that any time, any time the enemy comes against us in whatever way it is, whether it's guilt, shame from the past, Father God, whether it's, it's legalism, Father, <laughs> there's so many different ways that you would remind us that our salvation, that our relationship with you is based on your covenant, Father God. And your covenant is purely based on your credentials, not ours. So, Father God, we thank you once again in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.